First there was Kenny Lofton, then there was Joe Inglett, then Matt Laporta, Matt Carson, David Murphy, Colin Cowgill, and the latest number seven, episode seven of the Selby is Godcast. Zach Meisel, TJ Zuppi of The Athletic here with, uh, is this an emergency podcast? Is that what the cool kids call it? Well, why would it be an emergency? The Indians are up 2-0 in the series. That doesn't feel like it necessarily fits this situation. Did you think they were going to go undefeated this October? (laughs) Well, at least one of us didn't. Wouldn't this just be more impromptu? Yes, that's a good word. Sure. We'll go with that. The impromptu Selby is Godcast. Well, because if we kept doing it every Tuesday, and let's say they won the World Series on a Tuesday night, would we have to wait a week to to talk about it? Yeah, we would, because this is just the set day that we do it. I thought we were actually doing it on Mondays, and then it became Tuesdays, so that's just proof that this can be organic, and we can do it whenever we want to. Whether it's in New York, Progressive Field, in a hotel room somewhere, it's cool. Oh, you, you said organic. Oh, okay. Um, well, so the Indians that are up... podcast is later. <laughs> the... Oh, this thing's never going to get uh, to see the light of day. Um, the Indians are up 2 nothing. That was... Did you think that was a good game? <laughs> How do you think that went out there? Um, I one day will do a retelling. Oh my god, I actually should do this. If you see this on the athletic uh, on Sunday or in the near future, don't be surprised. Just a retelling of the game through my mentions. I mean, <laughs> is Kluber hurt? Why did Tito do this? The extra day of rest is killing him. The Indians, the season's over. No Edwin, no Kluber. And then, next thing you know, Lindor is God, Jay Bruce is God. Oh my God, this team can do anything. They're winning the World Series. They're going undefeated. Just That was a five-hour extravaganza of every emotion that you can possibly feel as not just a, a baseball fan, but for us too, because you know we're following along. We're trying to think of, okay, what's the angle here that we're going to cover? What is going to be most compelling that people want to write about? What story should we pursue? And there was only like 700 of them that game to yeah. pick from. Um, Remember between... the cameraman? <laughs> yeah. Forgot I mean, about that. Between the cameraman that apparently Jordan Bastion of MLB.com found today. Yeah, he was at our gate at the airport. Yeah, so between that and the throw that Gomes made, also wearing number seven, fittingly, that we do sure, this podcast. Yeah. Uh, throwing out Ronald Torres, straying a little bit too far off second base. I, I, I was thinking about it. Every time where the Indians faced... Some sort of adversity, whether it was it was Edwin uh, Kluber, Eric Gonzalez's throw that uh, <laughs> I think still found uh, a seat at Progressive Field, still sailing through the air somewhere. They found some way to recover. Um, and I guess the best way I can sum it up, my my mom texted me today, who was watching at home, and she said she asked me what I thought of the game, and I said we've gotten to the point where. We shouldn't be surprised by what this team does, yet they still find a way to surprise us. And, and that's kind of how I've felt over the past couple of years. Just through the playoff run, where not just forget about the national perspective. Even here locally, there wasn't a lot of belief that they could go deep in the postseason, and they almost won it all. This year, 
they they go from Tito's a genius in game one. Bauer throws spectacularly to game two where Corey Kluber gets up six runs. Your, your cleanup hitter is limping off the field, being carried off by trainers. And it seems like this series could be headed for uh, a, a direction that not many anticipated. And then four hours later, it's what we saw. It, I, I struggle to, to always find a way to put it into words because what they're doing, and, and you and I were talking about this as we walked out of the ballpark last night, I don't feel like we can truly appreciate it in the moment. No. Like, when... Everyone loved... You know, the 95 team, it was 41 years since they had previously been good. So, I think that's a little different. But, like, in the 90s, at what point did you realize... And I'm not, I'm saying this more hypothetically than asking you, but at what point did you realize that this was the greatest era of Indians baseball? You know? Like, and did it feel... It was. I'm assuming because you get to 96, everyone thought, okay, this is definitely the Indians' year, and it didn't happen, and they made an early exit. And then 97, it's like, okay, well, they got that out of their system. Like it has to be this year. And then they struggled the entire regular season, and then turned it on in the playoffs, and then had the greatest heartbreak they've ever had. So, like, I think probably I'm, I'm guessing here because I was a little baby, but <laughs> like during the 90s, there were probably there were great times, but there was probably a lot of frustrating points where you weren't thinking about man this is the greatest era ever you're thinking why aren't they winning the world series well right I, I think part of that is because the reality here is when you play in a market like cleveland you're always up against the clock where you're looking at service time you're looking at guys contracts and you're thinking you know this isn't going to last forever it might feel like that sometimes in the moment but it's not so you're always up against it where there's only so much so much sand left in that hourglass and we saw even in, in 2007, I mean, think back on that that 2004 buildup when they played really well at the end of the year. They were within one game of the Twins, and they, they faded. Twins went to the playoffs. 2005, they won 93 games. They choked down the stretch, and, and so they didn't make the playoffs that season. 06 was frustrating because they, they didn't live up to those expectations. You got to 2007. They're up 3-1. They end up losing that series. They don't go to the World Series, and who knows, they might have won it all if they got there. But in that moment, you're still like, man, there's a lot of time left here. There's, this group is going to be together yeah. for a long time, and that group never got back to that, that level. For, that, for the Indians in their position where you know, they don't have the biggest payroll, they don't have the capability of keeping guys forever like other markets do, it's all, there's, there's an end there. It's in, at some point, there's going to be an end to this. But the way that they've kind of been able to to not let some of the expectations drag them down. And then, of course, all the 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 continued adversity that they continue to fight there. And, and this is recency bias, I will admit it. But I mean, they're showing more character than I think. Ninety five was a, a team filled with character where they were battling back and had all those walk offs. But I'm, I'm thinking about. 98, 99, 2000, 2001. Wouldn't you say this team has a lot more character, a lot more fight than some of those other clubs? Yeah, I mean, the 22-game winning streak, though, they never really had to, except 22, when, when Lindor tied it in the ninth and Bruce won it in the 10th. And so it was it was eerie and, and odd to see them fall behind the way they did yesterday and to see Kluber pitch the way he did. And the ballpark went, I mean, a, a great atmosphere, a great crowd, both games. But then when the Yankees went up 8-3, it was like a morgue. Yeah, I and mean, it was not because the fans 
that they they weren't into it. They didn't want to be into it. I think everyone was just a little shell shocked. Yeah, we haven't seen any of that. We haven't seen Kluber struggle since like April. We haven't seen the Indians fall behind like that since like April. And so, <laughs> I, I think if you're the Yankees, and it, like fifth, sixth, and eight, like you you were you could not have pictured you couldn't have scripted it better and that's why i think you know momentum only matters for a minute they'll come out in game three and the crowd will be nuts and if, yeah if tanako shoves then yeah what happened in game two doesn't matter but the yankees for the rest of the series for the rest of october and maybe for the rest of the off season they're gonna be kicking themselves over over game two because boy if you would have told me you know, before we knew what the rotation was, if you would have said, all right, one of these games, the Indians are going to shut out the Yankees, and the other game, they're going to give up eight runs. <laughs> we all would have said, okay, Kluber being Kluber, Bauer struggling, one-to-one, going back to going to New York. And that's not the way it worked. And the reality of it is New York could not have had a better chance to win game two and to go home down 0-2, knowing that Kluber is going to be peeved and wanting revenge the next time he takes the mound. I think more importantly, maybe... On a normal day's rest. Yeah. When, for whatever, I mean, I don't know how much you can read into it or not, but he was dramatically better on his normal four days rest compared to five. There, watching him in game two, there were questions about his health, and I mean, he's still throwing about the same. It's he pitches looked a little flat. It, a lot of location problems, which we've seen pitchers struggle when they have a little bit extra time in between starts. Yeah, I, I don't know that we can look at one start with with the uh, unfortunate aspect of not being able to realize what Kluber's feeling, experience what he's experiencing, or look at uh, or or be in the trainer's room after games. Yeah, it, it takes a couple of starts before you can know somebody is is perhaps battling something uh, from our perspective. But I mean, I, I I looked at a guy that didn't look like himself, but I. I don't think I would feel much differently about him in a game five than I would have felt at the beginning of this series. Do you feel any, I mean, just seeing the way that he pitched, do you think that, that he has another one of those in him? Or do you think the more likely scenario is if, if for some reason this does get to a game five and baseball's crazy, you'd never know what could happen that you would see, would we just see typical Kluber in that game? Yeah, he's going to, it, it's such a victory for the Indians to win a game when he pitches like that because I think everyone went into game two, even on the Indians, thinking he's going to pitch really well. We just have to score a couple of runs and it'll be okay. And he gives up the, the home run in the first inning and the Indians answer right back, as it seems they always do. And I'm pretty sure everyone in the Indians dugout was like, all right, that's probably it. We probably just need one more and this, this thing's over because Kluber makes a mistake. He, he doesn't make the same mistake twice. So I, I think, and, and guys were saying it, Joe Smith was saying, if this thing gets to a game five or, or just the next time Kluber takes the mound, period, he's going to be on a mission to, to put that behind him. So if you're the Indians, I mean, it's you're in great shape, obviously. <laughs> and, and to win that game the way they did, I mean, I, I'm i still at a loss for words. It was it was difficult to even, like, yeah, nowhere try to, start. to yeah. There was so much to really pick apart. And the the biggest thing early that, kind of, I think, had fans not really knowing how to react was watching their cleanup hitter, uh, you know, the big, strong guy that plays almost all the time. The only time he mixed in any time off this year is when they told him they had to, um, or they played in a a National League park, 
and then to see Edwin carried off the field, I think that image kind of shook people a little bit. On top, it was one thing to see Kluber struggle, but then you see your cleanup hitter also carried off the field, and I think just that one-two punch kind of stunned everybody. Yeah. So, so you get to game three, and you learn that it's not as bad as what it could have been. You don't know if he's still going to play in this series, but they sound optimistic. I don't know how much to read into that because I don't think they have a lot of reason to tell us if things were more grim than what they are right now. At least keep some doubt. And if you don't feel like this is going to be something where he has to miss weeks, it doesn't really make any sense to replace him on the roster because then you could lose him potentially for the ALCS by putting him on the disabled list. So sticking with things now doesn't surprise me. Uh, the only way I thought they would have made a move is if they would have learned there was a you know, fracture in there or some ligament tear or something to that effect. But do you still think that Edwin can have an impact on the rest of the series? No, I, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. All I know is I heard the uh, the glass shattering and then the uh, – what's what's the song? Stone Cold Steve Austin's theme music? Is it, I don't know. What, does it have a, a name? I don't know. But, it, I mean, that's basically what it was. Sure. I mean, <laughs> you lose Edwin Encarnacion and you, okay, I guess we'll turn to two-time All-Star, Michael Brantley. I mean, it's, I know he's not 100%, um, but that's, that speaks to the depth this team has. It speaks to, and, and let's remember, this team made the run it did last year without so many pieces. And then the one piece that gets overlooked is Brantley because it was all about how they didn't have enough pitching. Well, you have Brantley now, and maybe he's not quite himself yet, but is it a an enormous drop-off if Michael Brantley DHs and Lonnie Chisenhall and Austin Jackson share left field? You lose some threat of power, but I don't think it's catastrophic here. Well, I'm all, I also believe that you know, despite the way Brantley looked on some pitch, I mean, it's clear he's not... He's not to a point where he's recognizing pitches in a typical way. Sure. His swing is a little rusty. I mean, that's all been evident. The more at-bats he gets, the better that all becomes. Uh, and I agree with that. And, and I don't think it takes him as much time as maybe some other hitters because, and we've talked about this, and Tito's talked about this, the mechanics of his swing is, is very simple. Um, he's a guy that... But it doesn't seem like he needs a lot of reps to really, truly get back to at least being a productive player. He's not going to be Edwin. He's not going to have a 900 OPS. But can he get a key base hit at a key time? Can he contribute a a tough at-bat, make life difficult on a pitcher, make him throw a lot of pitches? Um, Can he have excellent bat control and drive a sack fly? Of course, he could do all those things, as we've seen many times throughout his career. I think that was... At least, I don't know what the right word would be, not jarring, but it was surprising when you take a second to look at the on-deck circle when you know Edwin's not going to come up, and they announce that it's Brantley coming into the on-deck circle. And you think about that. Brantley has been one of the, for the past five, six years, one of the main guys in their lineup, and now they're just plugging him in off the bench. Yeah, it's That's pretty incredible. Yeah, so I, I think... The, the I think you made this point. I mean, they, they keep Edwin on the bench and they tease that he still might be available so that it gives the Yankees another thing to think about when they're making pitching changes or what have you. Um, and there's no reason to rush him. I think there's there's no desperation from the Indian side right now. And who knows? Carlos Carrasco pitches well in Game 3, his first playoff start. The Indians could have, what, 
five days off. So that can help too. Yeah, great. More days rest for Corey Kluber just when he needs. Yeah. <laughs> How, do you do you put my, I? This is always one of the things that I think is really tough to to know. How much stock do you put into a a, a pitcher or a player having certain success in certain uh, places? Like in, in this situation, Carrasco has always been good at Yankee Stadium, but it's different hitters over different times. And that's why you look at it and you say it's not really predictive. You know, you can't look at an at-bat from 2014 and say that that's somehow going to impact what happens in 2017. That's silly. Yeah, but But uh, Chad Green versus Francisco Lindor. (laughs) He has always pitched very well against him in all two at-bats. That's what's crazy is that big league managers are making decisions based on two at-bat sample sizes. But, I mean, Zach, there's something to... I, I can't completely dismiss that a guy can just feel more comfortable in a certain place. That a guy could, like for a hitter, maybe he likes the sight lines of a certain place. Maybe he just sees the ball. Picks Ryan the ball Rayburn in Chicago <laughs> yeah. at the Mineral Museum. <laughs> I mean, there are certain unexplainable aspects that it's tough to know. And, and for Carrasco this year, they didn't say it, that it was a determining factor, but I mean, they didn't really not say that his success on the road this year played into it. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that. You're, you're talking about one ballpark as opposed to starting in how many different parts do you start in? Ten different parks? I mean, how, how am I supposed to know if that's truly something I can believe in? But this might be, just based on kind of what we know about Carrasco as a guy that when he has that little extra edge, that little extra motivation, that little chip on his shoulder, he's a guy who can go out there and just shove he can give you seven eight innings where he makes the opposition look like they've never swung a bat before he seems like the type of pitcher who's made for the postseason because now it's there are a lot of we've seen in 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 these games the starting pitchers leave so early and it's almost like managers are just looking for that first reason to go to the bullpen because they have so many relievers so many powerful arms but carrasco though i don't know what it is is it the fact that he's just a workhorse the fact that He's been so consistent the last couple of years when he's healthy. Um, I, I expect him to really thrive in this situation. Uh, to your first point, I, I don't buy the home road thing. I, I'm surprised that the Indians would. Um, it's it's one ballpark versus, like like you said, <laughs> ten others. I mean, why would you be comfortable at Camden Yards and Kauffman <laughs> Stadium and Safeco Field but not – progressive field ever right and then why would trevor bauer have more success at home yeah it's it's one thing where i can i can look at arizona i can look at colorado and say okay these are offensive parks i would know why a pitcher would struggle here progressive field has leaned more offensive in the last few years but we're not talking about that big of a a drastic change so yeah and in 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 the playoffs you want your best pitchers pitching as early and often as possible so you wouldn't hold someone back Specifically to do that now, the Indians have ordered their rotation in a certain way, and it's right, it kind of just about, ended up that Carrasco was game three because they wanted Bauer right. to be versatile. But I, I, I'm interested to see because obviously they have to have a plan for game four. Whoever starts, whether it's Bauer, Tomlin, Salazar, Clevenger, um, whomever, Ryan Merritt, Yandy Diaz, <laughs> Michael Martinez, Nick Swisher, Andy Marte, rest in peace. Um, it's they're going to have a short leash, and so how do you this? It's weird because the Indians always they're playing for today, not thinking ahead, yada yada. But they also <sighs> might have to have a short leash in Game Four if they need to get there. Exactly. So 
it's kind of a weird it's an interesting dynamic i don't yeah. know i the one thing i i think that indians fans should feel good about and i remember a start earlier this year where i think it was right after they announced the all-stars and and, and carlos didn't get selected and it was that next game he went out and he i can't remember who the opponent was but he just completely shut them down. And he looked like he was a man on a mission to say, you're going to leave me off the all-star team? All right, you a-holes, I'm going to go out there and, and... You can say it. And and shove it up there, you know what? Come on. I'm leaving that to you, man. That's Cursing is now your thing. You've you've already gone out on that limb and made it known that you will utter every four-letter word that you can under the sun. But after, after that game, I remember talking to a few people and everyone kind of having that same that same thought. That there was some, there was a little extra chip on on, on Cookie's shoulder that night, um, and and I think it could be a similar case today where he chip Cookie. Yeah, I, I see that. that. Finally, you, yeah. made, you made the connection. I'm glad. Well, for that. shoulder threw me off. <laughs> do you see a, a little of that? That it's it's not just the fact that he can do it, but <clears throat> this if there's a situation where you're you need it as you laid out, you need somebody to go give you some innings. And you got a chance here to completely step on their throats. This isn't a game against uh, the the White Sox in June. This is Game Three, Yankee Stadium. I, I don't think there's any way that you're seeing a Carrasco that's not focused and and ready to to tear through the uh, opposition. And this is a guy who had to stand and watch last year when his team was going through it. This is a guy who had to wear that big poofy plastic bubble around his the cast on his hand when the team was popping champagne because he couldn't he didn't get it wet. It and could give it to Zimmer to wear this year? Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, I, I think all the motivation, all the factors there go into it. You know, it probably feels some jitters that he hasn't felt in a long time. But I, I this ballpark is scary. And when the fans get into it, it's the bottom of the first, and there's no score, and you're facing Aaron Judge, and you know what he's done here. Yeah. That's uh, that's a new level. That I mean, it's one thing to pitch well. I, I remember in 2011, he tossed like a one-hitter here, and it was before he, like, what do you have, Tommy John, and then he went to the bullpen, and they, you know, it was before right. all of that when we thought this was this kid's coming out party. But he was facing, I mean, who was on the Yankees then, like, he was facing like Paul O'Neill and Mark Teixeira. Yeah, Jim Layritz. <laughs> was he? I don't know that he was on the team. Daryl yeah, Strawberry. Your point is, is, is Scott Brocious. Um, yeah, I mean, I Luis Soho. I think there's something. I think there's something pretty cool to tie between Carrasco, his when Kevin Cash finally convinced Tito to put him back into the rotation, that that start came at Yankee Stadium. Mm -hmm. And he gets his first playoff start back in that ballpark at Yankee Stadium, and it's for the opportunity to send his club to the ALCS to do something he didn't get to do last year. Exactly. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons for, for, for someone to not stray from, from any sort of, uh, you know, focus on what's going on. Not that you really need any of that in the postseason. And and on top of that, you know, I don't know if there's something to the the home away splits, but sometimes there's some weird shit that happens within a, within a player's psyche where just by you feeling good, by you looking at the stats and feeling like, yeah, I own on the road, I always dominate on the road. You go out there and you feel good and you perform well. Did you think that the Yankees once it got to eight seven and then eight eight, 
they started chasing, started pressing at the plate, knowing... Absolutely. And do you think down 2-0 and knowing how desperate they are now, that kind of thing continues? I would feel... I, I Yeah, I think there's an element of that. I also feel like if Game 3 would have happened today as we record this <clears throat> on Saturday, that this series would have been over no problem. The, I think that there's a day off in between to allow New York to catch their breath gives them a little bit, I won't say an advantage, but just a sort of like we saw with the Cubs in Game 7 of the World Series where they were, they were <laughs> knocked back on their asses a little bit too, and that that just brief delay allowed them a chance to catch their breath and then kind of settle things down. And maybe maybe that's what this off day can be in this series, but I, I still don't think... I, I, don't, I don't think we're coming back to Cleveland to play another game in the ALDS. MLB always catering to its big markets. <laughs> Never change. You know what, man? It, uh, it's either rigged for money or ratings or maybe both. I was there. I saw it live. I will not be silent. Was that the game? Was that game five comparable? <laughs> that was game five of the finals. No, I know. Was game two of the ALDS comparable to game seven of the World Series? Um, Obviously, the stakes are different. I had a lot of people asking me, "Was it as loud as it was when Rajay hit the home run?" And there, I, no, it was not as loud as when Rajay hit the home run. Um, Even though. There were no Cubs fans. <laughs> there were not any Cubs fans. Um, and when, let's say when Lindor hit the slam, I only heard one person, maybe two people in the, the press box cheer, but they were actually employees of the Indians. They were actual writers, at least that I and know And they apologized. Of, that I know of. Shout out to uh, our friend John in the back of the, yeah. the press box. All right, John. I, I, I don't think it's quite on that level. Because... I audibly said when Raj hit that home run in Game Seven, I I audibly said, "Oh my God!" at least seven times because I was just so, so shocked. I peed <laughs> right at your desk, right there. Yeah. Would you say it was a healthy amount? Well, I had asparagus earlier oh, in the evening. I'm so. glad I didn't have to sit next to you in that situation. I don't think it was on that level. Do you think it was on that level? No, and I think the difference to me was you knew they were still down. And I, I wish, like, the Jay Bruce moment was almost, God, he's, it's like, the guy's a machine. Um, and it's almost like, if you could put those two moments together, they would equal Rajay? Yeah. Does that make sense? I, I will say, when Raj hit the home run, I, I still didn't have that sense, they're winning this game, they're winning this game, they're winning this game. When Lindor hit that slam, despite being a rundown, yeah. I thought they were going to win that game. Sixth inning, you've got three innings left, and you've you've, sh- you've shook, shaken, shaken, shooken. The, shooken the Yankees, and you've gotten to their elite-level bullpen, um, and they, they've made some critical errors to get help get you to that point. I, I, I think part of that, is, yeah, time. part of that's the opponent. Like last year, even Lindor said it just seemed like it was the Cubs' year. The Yankees aren't on that level, no. and so I agree with you. They're they, they're more vulnerable. I think a lot of people felt like you did when Lindor hit that. Um, it was it was destiny. They were going to win that. Well, they, the Indians fans can thank Joe Girardi for that. Yeah, for. Which I did not have. I did not see any issue with taking out CC when he took out CC. 
because you're relying on your elite bullpen to, to hold a five-run lead. Yeah, but he doesn't switch to different relievers quick enough. That's where that's would that would have been my my issue that he didn't. Is Batanza still pitching relief. right now? <laughs> and you go from Batanzas, who was looking for to build some confidence, because it's not not a question about stuff for that guy. That guy's incredible, um, but he was not as good down the stretch, and they had to go away from him a little bit. And he was um, he was amazing early in in his appearance, and then he goes up the walk off. So it's like you've you've erased everything that happened positively there for for New York to to be in a situation. I'm just trying to put them, myself in their shoes where you scored six runs off the Cy Young winner probably this year, and you set it up. You already had a five run lead with your bullpen on, and you didn't win that game. You're now down 0-2 in a series where you scored six runs off Corey Kluber. That. That has to feel like a kick to the junk if there's ever been one. Yeah, I don't know how you proceed, like because you can you can beat Carrasco. Tanaka can pitch well. You can win Game Four because you have the advantage on the mound for sure, Severino. But then you have to win a third in a row, and you have to come back to Cleveland, and you have to beat Kluber again, and he's not going to be as bad as he was in Game Two. Yeah, so good luck. Oh man, you ready to wrap this thing up? Yeah, you know it's tough when you do more than one in a week. It, it, you feel like you're uh, you need a couple extra days to bounce back. Yeah, that was this was our first sh- short rest podcast. Well, I mean, we were just stretching ourselves out a little bit. And it's the playoffs, though. Handle. You gotta. Yeah, I mean, you pull all the stops. Everybody's available every day. We talked last time about just the animal that is covering a team that makes a run in October. I don't know about you. I remember. The division series against Boston, I never thought the Indians would sweep. And it was the first, I mean, it was the first Indians playoff series I had covered. Kenny Lofton would say it was the first Indians <laughs> playoff games I covered. But it was it was kind of surreal to go through it, but it, because it was new, it was like, okay. Like, these first few days covering this New York series, I mean, I think you would agree. Like, it's been exhausting. And that game, too, <laughs> was like... I, would, I looked at you in the third inning, and I said, there is way too much shit happening right now. Yeah. <laughs> there is there's There were four hours to, process. to go. <laughs> so, and just between, I mean, the games go so late, and you wake up so early, and you travel, because the off days are travel days and workout days, and it's, it's unbelievable the fact that there could still be like three and a half more weeks of this. And, and it's not just us, and I'm not saying that, you know, we have life so tough or anything like that, but if you're a fan, and again, going back to... Our Twitter mentions during the game yesterday, and even like even the crowd, just to to have so much energy, and then just have it all sucked away from you when the Yankees go up five, and then to get back into it, like it's a good thing for the health of the fans that the Indians won because yeah. more twists and turns would not have been healthy, but it's it's exhausting to go through this if you're a follower, or just a casual observer, whatever, and it's been it's been two games, <laughs> and I know you mentioned this last week, but. It is so easy to see why Lindor said what he said after Game Seven that he just collapsed, that yeah. he just crashed, and that's that's kind of what happens. You you put so much energy and so much uh, emotion, and you're in a lot of ways you're just kind of running on adrenaline. And once that adrenaline's gone, everything that you've been running on, all those fumes, <laughs> you 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 do definitely crash. There are, why are there no like twelve to two games in October? Well, last year every game was like three to one. Two nothing, uh, one nothing. I'm sorry, man. Maybe they'll they'll be more cur- courteous to us. No, it's future. just. I mean, you go through an October World Series run, and you have a couple years 
cut off the end of your life for sure. <laughs> Whether you're a player, a media member, a fan. Yeah. A few more gray hairs on everybody's head. Or a few less hairs, period, one way or another. All right, man, it was fun. I'm glad we could do this little impromptu session in New York here. You have any f- parting words that we can later turn into some freezing cold takes? I have some more number sevens for you. Oh, um, please do proceed. You mentioned Jan Gomes. Uh, we also had Jamie Carroll, Mark DeRosa, Joe Inglet, Brandon Phillips, Jeff Juden, uh, pitcher wearing number seven. Um, I think that's pretty good. All right, man. Someone named Granny Hamner in 1959. Oh. Could you pull up those stats and we'll talk about them? When we uh, sit down and record a new podcast next week. Hal Trotsky, too, of course. Indian's great. Al Rosen, another Indian's great. That's it. All right, thanks, man. Thanks you for listening, and we'll talk to you when this series is coming back for... Nah, I'm just kidding. I think this series is over. You have official prediction before we get out of here? Um, three or four. Three or four. Or five. Can I say three or five? Wow, you're really going out on a limb. I think the Indians, I'm so bad at these. Everything I say, it's the reverse. I think the Indians sweep. Carrasco's going to have a really good outing. I think so, too. So that definitely means we will see you game five when we record this again. Thanks for subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Bumpers, SoundCloud, any other way you listen. And thank you for subscribing at The Athletic, The Athletic Cleveland. And uh, hopefully a few more people can retweet some of Zach's articles that were actually mine. Until next week, (laughs) we'll see you later. Shout out Dolph Ziggler for the favorite. Shut up, Dolph.